Thank you for tuning in to the Rose Metal Podcast, hosted by Emily Rose. In this podcast, we talk about the transition out of sports and any struggles athletes may have faced during sports or afterwards. Rose Metal's mission is to provide resources and support for current and former athletes. We have two types of shows. We have interviews where we talk to athletes about their experiences, and we also do shows on current events or topics that relate to the mission. Welcome to the Rose Metal Podcast. I'm Emily Rose, and I'm here with my co-host, Riley. What's up? And I'm here with our special guest, the man we talk about all the time, <laughs> uh, Coach Jay. I still don't feel like I should say your full name because I don't really know how. So go ahead and say <laughs> it. Uh, I, yeah, I pronounce it John Barfelt, so uh, with a G that's silent. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, Coach Jay was my pitching coach and head coach at Tulsa. And then after I graduated, uh, I think it was a year after, he went over to Oklahoma State where Riley was at. And he was a pitching coach there. So super excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's good to be here. And and Riley doesn't probably know me as Coach Jay because... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. You gave me some, like, really good lessons in the bullpen when I was catching for you. no but no but i mean i think i've been going by coach john over there at oklahoma state so i didn't know if right oh really was remembering (laughs) that (laughs) well people people just refer to me when they talk to me about you they just say john and i I know who that is it's just (laughs) coach jay to me (laughs) right right it's crazy how we're all connected now yeah. I know. This is this is kind of uh kind of fun that we're all on the same podcast right yeah. now. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, a little bit of an intro about Coach Jay. Um, like I said, he was head coach at Tulsa and pitching coach, and now he's at Oklahoma State pitching coach. He's married to Barb with three kids and six grandkids. Um, and Coach Jay played and coached baseball, fast pitch softball, and football. So we'll be talking about that in this podcast. Um, something that came to mind when I was first starting this whole rose medal thing is my fifth year, I went to Coach Jay and I was like, I don't know what I want to do. And he was like, well, you don't want to coach, right? And I was like, nah. And <laughs> he, he was like, are you sure? Because there are schools asking for you to be a, a grad assistant. Um, you might as well try it. And I gave it a chance. And I'm really glad that I had that conversation with you because I, I didn't know what to do. And it gave me a chance to kind of figure out what was next for me. Gave you an extra two years to figure it out, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Turns out I still don't really want to be a team coach, um, but <laughs> I'm okay with doing pitching lessons. I really like the one-on-one aspect and working with little leaders, young athletes. And um, I feel like Riley has had the kind of same-ish conversation with Coach Jay about yeah. what's next. <laughs> we had a lot of talks. <laughs> <laughs> We did. You 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 went through a wide gamut of possibilities that you might be interested in going into, I remember. And I'm still I'm still sitting there wondering like what I should be doing at this point. <laughs> yeah. Me and Riley on this podcast talking about we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but we're we podcasting. Do, 
we do talk about Coach Jay a lot because he's a big influence on us. He is. So. Yes. Um, so the first question that I have for you, Coach Jay, is what was it like going from being a player to a coach in baseball and football? You know, well, you know, as, as a player, um, you're, you're really focused on, you know, what can I do? Um, I need to do my job. Um, and so, you know, your, your feelings about how you did in the game really focused in on how well you did your job, obviously, as you know, those are team sports. And so you're not happy if you just do your job and you lose, but that still is your main focus, um, uh, being able to do your job and, and, and do it to the best of your abilities and, you know, sometimes there's one-on-one matchups and the positions that I played uh, in football as a wide receiver. So it was about, you know, um, making the catch every time I got my hands on the ball, you know, beating my defensive back, you know, so, I, so that I was open. Uh, same with baseball, you know, a lot of one-on-one competitions there. Um, and depending on, you know, what position you play on the field, um, you know, whether you have a, a grasp of what's going on all over the field, you know, more so in baseball for me, um, being able to see the whole field um, from the positions that I played, whether it was pitcher or a shortstop or an outfielder uh, from that aspect. Uh, once you go into coaching, now all of a sudden you're thrust into, you know, taking it, the game as a whole. And being able to, you know, you have to divide your attention to details that can affect, you know, every position on the field, um, you know, as you're going along. And especially, you know, when I broke into coaching, I was a seventh grade football coach, um, a seventh grade basketball coach, and then I was an assistant baseball coach. But when you start out, you know, coaching, like say in the seventh grade, um, I had coaches with me who had never played. I had one coach, I had one assistant coach. And so I had, I had to learn, you know, positions on the football field that, that I had Mm -hmm. never played. And so that, you know, there was, that was a great experience because I, obviously it gave me in tune. It put me in tune with the team as a whole in that regard athleticism yeah I feel like I feel like I really felt that at like Moorhead State because uh, it wasn't the best situation but like what I struggle with a lot like still kind of is you know as a player you grow up and you're really learning about yourself and what works for you but now you're responsible for all these other girls and you have to break it down in ways to where not only like you understand but they understand and that's my difficulties because, you know, this worked for me, but I don't know if this would necessarily work for you. So just finding different ways to try to make it make sense to them, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. And, I, you know, that's you hear a word thrown around a lot, wisdom. And, you know, a lot of that comes with experience because, mm-hmm. like you said, you understand how things work for you. But the longer you coach the more that you engage with different athletes and you learn from your athletes and you learn from them, you know, what can, what can, you know, flip that switch for them, so mm-hmm. to speak. 
um, you know, on the, on baseball and softball, I was fortunate that, um, I was in a position where I played every position on the field. And so, you know, that gave me, um, some feeling about how every position can be played. And I, I actually used that in my interviews when I was interviewing for the head job at Tulsa, I said, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I have a clear understanding of what some of the best ways to do things at each position on the field, because I've played every position, including, you know, being a pitcher. And so I I think that probably helped. Um, But it also, um, especially when you're at the mid-major level, you know, you coach, things are are set up a little bit differently than they would be at a bigger school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was there an overlap between when you were playing and coaching? Uh, a little bit. Um, I, I can remember thinking that, man, if I would have studied, say, hitting, if I would have studied hitting as much as a player as I did as a coach, I felt like that would have made me a better hitter um, instead of just taking the advice of maybe one person. Um, but there was a few years where I was an assistant coach at Georgia Tech that I was just finishing up my fast pitch career uh, where I was a player still. But once I became the head coach at Tulsa and I had, I had three kids and I felt like there's no way I can continue playing because we, we would play a season that would begin in the beginning of May and probably end around Labor Day in September. And, and, you know, you're playing pretty much every weekend and traveling. And so, I, I felt like that wasn't something I could continue to do once I became the head coach. Did you play with coach G, uh, the, um, coach Kenny? No, he's, he's a lot, he's quite a bit younger than I am. He, he, and he, he I don't think he ever played fast pitch. He played baseball at OU. Oh, gotcha. um, he was a pitcher there, um, in the nineties, but, uh, I don't, I don't believe he ever played uh, men's fast pitch. Gotcha. Riley, you broke out. What were you saying something? Yeah. Um, was there ever like a moment in your life where you're like, Oh, I want to step away and like, you know, try something completely, you know, like a nine to five type job or like, was there something where you're like, you know, you're going to school and this is what I want to study to be. You know, the only time I can remember that was when I was playing minor league baseball and we would play 135 games in 136 days. <laughs> and, you know, there were no scheduled days off back then. Mm. And the only day off we had was the Major League Baseball's All-Star Game for some reason. That was the one day all the minor leaguers had a day off. Now it's a lot differently nowadays. But we played that many games that many days. And, I, and we had a joke amongst us of players that, you know, we were just going to, you know, go get a lunch pail and go get a regular job. Because... <laughs> Because of just the the mental grind that it took to play that that much, mm. um, but you know, once I got into coaching, I you know, I I, I just felt like what man, what a great job, you mm-hmm. know, as, you know, as far as for me, um, I just felt like I don't know that I've ever regretted a, of coaching in my life. Um, when you were when I was teaching in Indiana. I taught for 23 years while I was coaching in a middle school and a high school. Those made for some really long days. <laughs> um, and I can, I can remember when I got the head coaching job at Tulsa, 
anytime a little tedious fact, uh, uh, task came up, I'd always say to myself in my mind, this is a lot better than coaching, than teaching middle school kids. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I always felt like, man, you know, I, 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 I've got one of the, I, to me, I've got the greatest job. Mm-hmm. Around, well, I, know, be able to coach and be around young people i sure am glad that you made that decision so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we... I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let riley ask you the next question that's on the itinerary okay. all right how did you get into men's fast pitch softball so i was I was playing in the Cubs organization minor league and my, my career ended. So I went back to college cause I, I dr- was drafted out of my junior year. So I went back to college to finish my teaching uh, degree and a guy that I knew a little bit, you know, for just from playing intramural basketball against in college, his dad ran a little men's fast pitch team. And he said, Hey, you know, my, my dad likes to bring in, you know, former baseball players and, and get them involved in men's fast pitch. And I had played slow pitch when I was got, got back a little bit, but I went up there and, you know, just fell in love with the game. Um, how, how quickly it went, um, you know, and, and it had, you know, the same skills that you really have in baseball um, with a few different nuances and leadoffs and things like that. But, but, and then when I was at that tournament, a, a, a bigger, uh, funded team, um, saw me and invited me to come and play on their team, um, the following year. And so that was my start, uh, ended up playing 20 years, uh, for different teams. But, uh, you know, it was that competitiveness, the competitive drive of trying to to be able to hit pitchers at a, from a completely different angle than you did in baseball, you know, that took some time and, but it was something that I enjoy trying to, to tackle tasks that, you know, you start out and you're not really that great at skill wise, but um, it, it, it just ignited a fire in me and, and I had a supportive wife um, and then I played on supportive teams where they, you know, encourage your family to come too. Mm. And so we would make it a family event where we would be going to these weekends and staying in hotels and playing tournaments all, all weekend long. And then, you know, back and, and luckily I was a teacher at that time. So my summers were off. And so I was able to do that. And uh, that's kind of how I got into it. And so I, I actually saw that that guy. Um, I went back to our homecoming this past fall and I, and I reminded him, I said, you know, I always credit you for not only getting me involved in men's fast pitch, but basically getting me, me a career in coaching in NCAA in softball. So you play, did you play with anyone that uh, also went on to coach and maybe we like know who they are or like it would like who, do you know do you know of like because I felt like um maybe from an outsider perspective it was it might be like weird to be coached by a man in a woman's sport but I felt comfortable with it because you played yeah yeah I mean the 
there's a quite a few men's fast pitch players um, that are in the women's game that I play with. Michael White would be one that you'd come from the University of Texas head coach. Him and I played against each other and on the same team together uh, is probably one that people would know the most. Um, the South Florida coach, Kenny Erickson. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he was him and I were on the U.S. Pan American team together um, and played together in in Cuba. Uh, and we won a silver medal down there. And so there are, there are others. Some, some have come in the, the Drake head coach is somebody that I played with. Uh, his name is Rich Calvert. Um, I could go on and on, you know, but um, yeah. some of the names that you probably wouldn't recognize quite as much, a lot more of them are also in assistant roles where maybe their name isn't as well known. Yeah, there's quite a few out there. Cool. And you pitched, right? I did not pitch in, in fast pitch. Okay. Um, I was, I was a baseball pitcher. Right. Right. And so that's, that's an interesting, a different story on how I got involved <laughs> to be a pitching coach in, in fast pitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever it is, it worked. Uh, yeah. It was very unfair. Oh, sorry. Riley. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i played with a guy who became the head coach at georgia tech and he asked me to come down and help him and you know we had talked about coaching together and he was a college baseball coach well when he called me he says hey i've got that pitching coach job for you but it's softball what do you think you know and i just said well getting hitters out is getting hitters out yeah. so i would just need to understand the mechanics of throwing underhand mm-hmm. and and so we had a buddy that who's actually the pitching coach for virginia tech right now um he had a video series out about the mechanics of pitching underhand and different pitches and things like that nature so i watched that series and to me it was just like well shoot that's just turning everything upside down you know it's yeah, very exactly you know, very similar and so that's how my mind worked um, I knew from playing men's fast pitch for that many years, I knew what pitches, you know, gave me trouble and what locations and, you know, got to see pitchers and getting hitters out from a shortstop position for a number of years. And so, um, you know, baseball pitching philosophy and, you know, and, and seeing it, how it worked in, in, in fast pitch, you know, it was something that, that, was successful in both games yeah it um the way you simplify it like that is great with the um it's the same as overhand pretty much you're just going underhand now and just like simplifying that in your mind if that makes sense because when i talk to my lessons and they just can't seem to understand how to spin the the curveball or something i'm just like well just spin it like this overhand and then think about that with your arm down like i don't know it is yeah it's it's a, simplifying it in your mind don't overcomplicate it um mm-hmm. do you think being a hitter helped with being a pitching coach too oh i did you know because one of the one of the things that that i really preached right from the get-go was the low rise ball and i know that you had a great one yep. and and, and I, I can remember talking to you in the gym at Tulsa in the university and you said what throw it at the knees I said yeah 
you know, and then you, you'd throw one, it still would come in about mask high. And I said, all right, throw one at her foot. You know, I want that to be your target, you know, and all of a sudden here came that low rise and popped right in there at knee high level. And so that's, that's a phrase that I use with all of my pitchers. You know, I don't get too technical with them on, you're not going to change anything with the rise ball. It's just changing your target. Yeah. And then yeah, that but... usually changes your body position a little bit, but that low rise ball, there's a pitching coach. That's a pitching coach for, for BYU. His name's Pete Meredith. And uh, he was six, five and could throw the ball like crazy. But in a lot, a lot of rise ball pitchers would attack the, the letters of your strike zone. But what was so difficult with him, him and another pitcher by the name of Marty Grant is they would, they would throw a low rise at the knees and then follow one with a drop that would end up at your ankles. And you just could not tell from that short a distance, you know, which pitch yeah. it was. Yeah. I remember when you told me to stop my hand, like right at the point of release. And I remember being so confused by it. But when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. Like physics wise is like, if you stop your hand, then you're not going to be drifting anything forward and you'll get maximum spin. And just talking about like how we tweaked my, my rise ball just a little bit at a time. Um, mm -hmm. It was a process. Yeah. If you push your rise ball, you're taking some spin away, you know? And so you don't technically probably stop your hand. You try to, but what it does is it stops your elbow at your back hip. Right. And, and then it unleashes the next lever. You can't, you can't unleash another lever in your arm until you stop the longer one. And yeah. so, um, yeah, I remember your senior year, it took a while for us to figure out what were you doing that your rise ball just wasn't popping like it did your junior year, you know? And, and then I remember it was over at Arkansas, you know, I remember to say, Hey, throw a couple of those where you stop your hand. Yeah. And then you went out and struck out 15 hitters that day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I can't tell you. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I can't tell you how, and Emily knows this, but how much film I would watch on myself to try to figure out why it felt like I had a hole in my bat when I would play Tulsa. And the more and more I watched, the more and more I got frustrated because it was the same pitch sequence almost every time I got up to the plate. And I'm just like, okay, so I know what's coming, but well, I still can't hit it. So God dang. Yeah. <laughs> now you're on a podcast with Coach Jay giggling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, we can laugh about it now. Yeah. Well, um, you know, and that's, that's kind of, you know, sometimes pitching pitch callers try to get too tricky and you know if you've got a pitch or two pitches that are got a hitter just baffled you just keep feeding it until <laughs> until they figure it out if they don't figure it out then there's yeah. no reason to get get too fancy with it exactly <laughs> keep it simple yeah. yeah yeah i had that written in my gloves so maybe that's why <laughs> yeah i may have said that a few times to you yeah <laughs> What was the other thing you said early and often? Early and often. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the next question. So okay. what is the difference between being a head coach at Tulsa and being a pitching coach at Oklahoma State? Well, you know, to me, you know, I started out as an assistant. 
and assistant coaches is it's a great position because you get to be all the players buddy you know and <laughs> and uh and then I finished up at OSU and I felt like I got to go back into that role again you know I wasn't the one you know making the hard or I'm not you know obviously you help making the decision but it's the head coach that delivers that and so you know, I got to be everybody's buddy again, you know, with being an assistant coach. But as a, as a head coach, you know, there's just so many more responsibilities that you're overseeing the entire game. And it's even different, you know, at a mid-major compared to a power five. Um, at a mid-major, you know, usually I had, you know, pretty much inexperienced coaches. They were usually pretty good players. Um, but they were just starting out their coaching career. And so, you know, I, I remember um, that I mentioned earlier that, you know, being a, a player that had played every position on the field and being a hitter in, in softball as well as, as you know, getting into the pitching, um, you know, I kind of set the tone for my coaches early on. This is how I would like it done. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and kind of educated them on what my philosophy uh, was on playing every defensive position, all the hitting. Um, and then I was in charge of the pitching. Um, at the power five level, usually you're hiring because you have more resources available. Usually you're hiring more experienced pitching coaches or coaches in general. And you pretty much let them, you know, do their expertise. And then as a head coach, you kind of oversee it. And so the difference for me going back to being assistant coach is I get to narrow my focus now. I get to spend more time with my, my pitchers. Uh, we have a, a little th- this year that we have six of them. And oh, they wow. even came up with, uh, hey, they're calling us the pitcher family. And so we took a picture at Christmas, you know, the pitcher family. <laughs> and, and of course, they just, they just love that. You know, we were sitting on the stairs at Coach G's house. <laughs> and they they actually gave me a eight by ten of that picture that we took on our on our iPhone. But you know it is oh, you just to, you just to get yeah you just to get to be closer with that select group of players. And usually you're co- you're pretty close with the catchers too, because they spend a lot of time with us. You know in bullpens and in that nature. But uh, that's that's the biggest difference. Is I don't I don't have to be focused on the entire aspect of the game. Now, in some respects, I miss that um, because, you know, when you've had success at doing something, um, you know, sometimes you can miss some of those aspects, but, but it sure is a lot um, easier going into a game knowing kind of I'm in charge of, of one half inning each time mm-hmm. we're at Tulsa being the head coach, you know, I would go from being, you know, defensive pitch caller and then I'm right out at third base coaching thinking about how we're going to score runs and 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 put players in position where they can be successful well at Tulsa you were pitching coach and head coach so it's like I would get time with you but then you'd have to go help with something out with the hitters or the, the defense um so it's like I I did feel like I got a lot of time with you but it could have been more if it was like you were specifically the pitching coach, not pitching coach and head coach. So I can imagine it becoming a pitcher family. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's more time, you know, in between innings that I can sit down with a, with a pitcher and talk about things. 
um, that I couldn't do, you know, when I was coaching third base as well. So, um, you know, there's definitely some advantages to it with that. Um, but, you know, even when I was a head coach, I always tried to schedule the amount of time that a pitcher would need in practice and, and give my devotion to them um, to get those things done. And I had to trust my assistant coaches to do some defensive things on some other, you know, whether it was infield or outfield. Um, but both, both, both positions were very enjoyable for me because I enjoy the aspect of trying to figure out how I can help players uh, be successful, but whatever they're trying to do. I have to know what your pitchers think about you being ambidextrous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the, the thing that um, nowadays I, when I hurt my, I think I hurt my shoulder before you came along, Emily, and I had to stop pitching BP um, with right-handed, but there, you might've been around when I was catching left-handed in the bullpen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> you would switch it up. Yeah. And so I, my, my youngest son is left-handed. And so I got one of his old gloves and because my right shoulder was, was pretty, uh, was injured. I would catch left-handed and, and throw the ball back, you know, left-handed to the pitchers. And so, um, I don't have to do that anymore okay. at, at Oklahoma state. We have very few times. Do I even catch? There were a few times this fall that we, managers weren't available or you know a person in riley's position wasn't available and so i would just get my little garden stool out there and, and catch pitchers but um but most of the time i don't have to do any of that anymore yeah riley you were injured so you got some time in the bullpen right well she well, was actually okay, a grad so assistant he, yeah yeah i never played i wasn't lucky enough to play for john oh but yeah, I I would literally volunteer to go back there and catch the pitchers just because I'd learned so much. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Sometimes Coach Jay would um, be like, how about you and Lexi play catch? And I'd be like, no, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it, if it was just a little bit below the knee, she was like moving her foot out of the way. Like it, like it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's a no for me. <laughs> well, luckily we had uh Andrew come in. He was a really good manager and yeah. taught a lot. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, and there again, that's the difference in a power five. I probably have besides the catchers on our team, I probably have five different people that I can go to to catch in bullpens right now here at Oklahoma State. And so you know, that's why I just don't have to do it very often anymore. <laughs> or resources. Yeah. Yep. I learned going to Oregon, there were more resources, even just as a grad manager too. But um, I, I really think that we did a really good job with the resources we had at Tulsa. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people that when I tell them what, what we had at Tulsa, they're like, they could not believe the success that we had with, but yeah, you know, it's, 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 yeah. It, you know, a lot of times what you don't know, you know, you figure out a way to come up and do it a different way. So, 
Yeah, yeah everyone has a chance. Well, yeah. we did not think of you guys as a mid-major at all just because you would come into town and just give it to us. So <laughs> That was always fun. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Um, Riley, you're going to ask this next question, and the next question is basically about how I've seen um, – former teammates kind of not doing okay and just I've noticed that coach Jay and his staff would be really vigilant and like caring about it so yeah yeah what's All the right, next so um how do you make sure your former athletes are doing okay well <clears throat> you know one of the one of the things um the the best thing that source I have for that is my wife um, she, she is on social media, but I'm not. <laughs> so, and so, you know, a lot of the former players and, you know, we tried to, to make her accessible. She, she cooks treats and takes them into Oklahoma state. She didn't do it as much at Tulsa because we live so far away, but we're, we're two miles away from the, from the stadium now. And like I said, she's, she's, uh, not working full time, you know, in a different place. And so, um, you know, she, she lets me know a lot of times when, when pictures come up or former players say some things and stuff like that. Um, you know, when I was a, a coach at Tulsa, you know, it was, I'm not, I'm different than coach Kenny. Um, and th- this just kind of shows there's different ways and different feel- ways to do things. Coach Kenny is very involved with the athletes in their off the field life. Um, you know, he's constantly talking to him and he loves being on the phone and he, you know, he, he's just in a, he's a, you know, loves communicating in that way. When I was in Tulsa, you know, I wanted the players to feel like I wasn't going to be overbearing on them. I wanted them to, you know, be able to experience student life. I didn't want them to feel like I was hovering over them and watch them on every aspect. And so I, you know, I usually let people come to me in, in that regard. And so, um, you know, every once in a while, um, you know, somebody will see us on television and I'll get players that'll, that'll text me that, that played for me at Tulsa. Um, one, I was coming back recruiting and there was, well, Andrew was getting married, the manager that you mentioned, right? Yeah. And I was driving through Texas and you guys were talking to me about the gang that was all together and, We've had players come and stay at our house, you know, um, save them a, a, a hotel room, um, yeah. you know, and, and we've had players come back and see our team play at, at Oklahoma State um, or bring some athletes in. Some of them are involved in maybe coaching a junior team, um, you know, but that's some of the ways that, that we've kind of reconnected with, with players from Tulsa. Yeah, um, I I'm friends with Barb on Facebook, so it's really good um, having that connection and keeping up with each other that way. And mm-hmm. I, I believe Riley's friends with her also. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I just remember um, there were a couple situations where we were kind of concerned about some former athletes, and I just remember you and coach Chrissy were really good at like reaching out to anyone that maybe felt like needed someone to talk to or something. And um, that just says a lot about how you guys are as coaches and leaders. 
Well, I think the one thing that, that we did have at Tulsa, you know, we always had an open door. You know, we always encouraged the players to come in and sit and talk and, and get to know. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's, you have a genuine love for your players and you want them to feel free to come in and, and share anything that they're willing to share with you and get to know you and us get to know them. And that's kind of what, you know, builds that chemistry to go out and, you know, perform those tedious tasks that it takes to, to be a, a, a good team. And so uh, we've always encouraged that, but there's different ways to do it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I've been able to, to see how coach G here does it at Oklahoma state. And, you know, that's because that's his personality, you know, and his personality is that outgoing, you know, bringing things up that even might be a little uncomfortable for other people sitting in the room, but you know, he, 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 he can, he can do that. He can do that real well. And, and uh, you know, my personality was always to be the calm, steady, you know, not getting too high, never getting too low, um, mm-hmm. you know? And so there's different ways to do things that, that, you know, you want your players to enjoy playing for you. Um, and that, that's probably the main goal as a coach is you want each player to have a great experience as you're, as they come through and come through your program. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, my, my little GA tenure at OSU, it was not, I was not in a great headspace and all that kind of stuff. And I must say our conversations and the way you said it, that you never really get too high, never get too low. And for me, like some days, that's all I needed. And so, like, I mean, a lot of those conversations like really helped me. And you probably had no idea what the heck was going on in my life and probably didn't want to know. So, <laughs> so those little conversations, like they honestly like meant the world to me at the time. So well, thanks, John. I, I appreciate hearing that. And and that's kind of the difference between Coach G and myself, right? I yeah. He would, he would, he would keep needling, figuring out what was going on with you. <laughs> oh yeah. He would call me in there and be like, what in the, like, yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm like, there's a time and a place, Coach G. <laughs> yep. And I was like, okay, if you want to tell me, fine. If not, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's really funny. I had my first year at Tulsa, the first time I was a head coach, I had five seniors, you know, and I kind of brought them in and talk to them about, you know, taking care of, of things, you know, off the field and things like that. I said, I'm not going to be somebody who's, you know, prying and hovering over you, but you know, this is your team as seniors. And, you know, every once in a while I'd say, is something going on? I said, I'll coach Shay. You don't need to know about it. It'll be fine. (laughs) That's all right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I've done interviews with lots of um, athletes that have shared with me that not had good coaches. And it's kind of, it was surprising to me at first because I can't relate to that. Um, like my college experience was actually good. And it's just realizing now that that's kind of rare these days. Mm-hmm. So we just appreciate you being a good coach. Well, and yep. I think, that, yeah, and, and I think that a lot depends on why people get into coaching, you know, and you can kind of say this about other professions, too, you know, uh, nursing comes to my mind, too, 
if you get into coaching, the reason I got into coaching was to help players. I wasn't getting into coaching to try to, to improve my position, to move up. You know, there were a number of jobs that, that I turned down that would have been bigger jobs, probably a little bit more high paying jobs. But, you know, my, I, I didn't want to put my family through more moves than what I did. Um, once I got to be a head coach at Tulsa, um, I felt like I was in my dream job and my re my reasoning was, Hey, how can I make the players have the most successful, most enjoyable time, you know, here in their four years here where other coaches get into it. And it's all about, you know, how many wins can they accumulate or, you know, how can they look good and how can they move up and get a better job? And those are the ones that a lot of times maybe, get the the bad rep is you know how they've treated their players yeah, um, yeah I, I must say I feel like oof, like I feel so lucky and blessed to have the coaches that I've had because I I was not the easiest person to <laughs> um I mean, understand and all that kind of stuff like I I we all have our issues and stuff like that and yeah, Coach G has a way of doing it for sure. And, uh, you know, for some people it might bother them. But for me, like, it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And in a way, like, it did help me. But then again, I got to know John. And I'm like, man, this is such a much, like, easier conversation. <laughs> but, I mean, you guys both brought, like, the best out of me and really catapulted me into, you know, life after sports and what that looks like for me. So, just very blessed to know the both of you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you saying that. That's that's Aww. something that every coach wants to hear. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It it it's been I always have great things to say about you, Coach Jay, and it's it's just been I feel really lucky that you were not only my head coach but my pitching coach. So mm -hmm. I got to spend a lot of time with you and um it's just now that I've interviewed a bunch of people saying that they didn't have that experience, it makes me even more grateful. But um, I'm just really glad that you were my coach. Well, and I think that that's the reason why you you see a lot of people transfer to OSU. Um, they see how players, you know, have come from different programs that maybe they didn't get that feeling. And, you know, that's, that's one thing that we kind of have going for us at OSU. We have, you know, different, different coaches that can, you know, show their, their caring, loving attitude towards players in different ways. Mm -hmm. Well, I just always loved your family approach to things. You always said the priorities for everyone should be uh, God, family, school, then softball. Right. 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 Yeah. I just yeah. feel like your standard like that. difference. You know, and, and I always remember the, the very first year um, I had a, a catcher who was dating the uh, an offensive lineman on the football team, and her dad was a coach, and she wanted to, you know, miss practice on a Friday because there was a big game that her dad was coaching in. And I said, yeah. I said, yeah, that – just, come, you know, we'll come in, we'll get some a little extra work and you can go. And I said, you know, I always told you it's, it's, it's God, family, school and softball. She said, yeah. 
I've had, I've heard a lot of people say that, but this is the first time somebody's lived up to it. And so it's more about, there's a lot of people that might say those priorities are the things, but, you know, being able to, to live up to it, I feel like that, that we've done a good job over the years with it. Yeah, this is a little bit of a controversial topic, but um, I remember when Colin Kaepernick was kneeling while the national anthem was going and it started to become a trend. And I remember the way you handled it was very, like, very professional and very good. And I, um, I, I know that some other coaches may not have handled it, not known, not known how to handle it. And the way that you handled it with our team was perfect, I felt like. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's 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 always tough, you know. But that's what you that you sign up for as the head coach. That things are going to be, some things are going to come into your plate that only you can make the decision on. And um, you, you know, you just hope that you handle it in a way that that doesn't truly offend people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, more talking about transition life so coaching is a lifestyle retiring is a huge transition in life what do you anticipate retiring to be like whenever that happens yeah you know I don't dwell on that too much um one of the things that I've always enjoyed is being active um and so um I don't even I don't think about people will say well how long are you gonna go I don't know you know I don't I think you'll know when it happens when it's time to stop but like I said, you know, this is, it's kind of a dream job being a, around young people and, 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 and helping them become successful is, is, it is very gratifying, um, you know, as opposed to being the player yourself and, and accomplishing goals, that's gratifying as well. Um, but I, I think, you know, when it does happen, uh, I think that, I'll probably still be active. There's a lot of the sports that I've enjoyed over my life. It's been a big part of my life. I can see in retirement, me continuing to, to find sports that I can still play at my age, (laughs) but uh, being active, um, being able to travel is something that we've actually started now. Coach G has been, been really helpful with me, um, allowing me to, to, to take and travel with Barb now that, she, you know, she has some freedom and doesn't have to go to a 40 hour a week job. And so, you know, traveling is something seeing this country. Um, when I was in the fifth grade, my parents took me on a six week vacation where we hit every state West of the Mississippi. And when I married Barb, she had never been West of the Mississippi. And so, you know, that's something that we look forward to is, is doing some traveling and, and just remaining active. We talk about eventually getting into maybe a community where they have a lot of activities going on. Um, and, and that's probably something that, that we would probably do in the future. The thing you don't want to do is get injured at this age. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Riley, you have anything else to add? I'm just, uh, every time I talk to you, John, I'm just blown away. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you, I, I don't like it. You just like, like a coach, coach P I was like, man, I want to, you know, I will, I want to be like coach P one day and I still do, but my God, do I want to be like John? 
where the G's silent because G's yeah. move in silence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But well, it's it's always a pleasure talking to you, John. And I'm just I'm so happy, you know. I know I didn't go to Tulsa, but you know what? I did get a little short year with you and I mean it's been nothing but amazing just getting to know you over the years. Well, I appreciate it. I've been I've been blessed to be around so many great people and, and mm. getting to know them and um, that sure makes your life feel very fulfilled when you been able to share it with so many great people. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Coach Shay. It was so great getting to talk to you. We went a little bit longer than planned because you just have so much knowledge and wisdom for us. So thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you. As uh, all, thank uh, you. All right. Appreciate yeah. it. And good luck with you guys in your endeavors as you go forward. Thank you. Thanks, and John. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Rose Metal Foundation and Twitter at Rose Metal Org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and leave a review. It really helps us by spreading the word. Sign up for our newsletter to get weekly updates from us. Another way you can support us is by making a donation at rosemetalfoundation.org forward slash donate. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations are eligible to be tax deductible. So far, we have shared the stories of over 40 current and former athletes, and we have a mentorship program called Championship Mentoring.